Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Hey, what's up, Pelicans fans? Welcome to the Bird Rights. My name is Preston Ellis, and I'm the host for the new home to all things Pelicans on Nothing But Net Network here on Dash Radio. Follow us at the Bird Rights and get all the latest on your Pelicans at thebirdrights.com. Welcome to another episode of the Bird Calls Podcast. Now, we are convening all the major Pelicans blogging might today, and with our powers combined, we are recapping week one, and we'll cover the Nelson Crawford news uh, a little closer to the end. Uh, but right now, I just want to start by introducing our third-time guest, current writer for BourbonStreetShots.com, and former editor to Pelican Debrief, as well as, uh, not editor to the Step Back, but a, a current contributor to the Step Back, it's Brendan Clean. What's up, Brendan? I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Hey, and doing well. Glad to be back. How are you? Dude, I'm glad to have you back. You always write such great stuff. I'm always excited when I see your name come up on Twitter. Uh, something good to read. You break down. Uh, your analysis is so spot on. Uh, and I really feel like I learn a lot because, you know, it's easy to throw around rumors and initial analysis to games, but you really go in depth. Great stuff, man. Glad to have you on again. And also his cohort, our first time guest and current editor to Pelican Debrief, as well as Death Pen Hoops. What's up, Justin Jett? Hi, thanks for having me on. I wish we... uh talk about some wins here but i'm glad to be on in the left well uh this is being recorded on a sunday night and we'll get to the lakers in a second but uh we can all go ahead and celebrate now what do you guys say we're gonna go ahead and get the win tonight uh but make sure before like we that. get to that yeah make sure before we get to that you follow these guys at brendan clean 14 and at justin jet underscore don't forget the underscore now let's get rolling okay 
Let's start with the big one. Shams Terrania reported last night that the Pelicans have signed Jameer Nelson. And moments later, Adrian Wojnarowski tweeted that Jordan Crawford had been released. Crawford was the obvious candidate, being that his contract was only partially guaranteed up to 250 uh, k And the Pelicans opted to go that route rather than wait for the hardship exception. And a bit of breaking news, Jameer Nelson is in the lineup tonight against the Los Angeles Lakers, so we should expect to see him. Brendan, what was your immediate reaction to these transactions? I was surprised that the Pelicans actually pulled the trigger um, because I feel like we, because there have been so many injuries throughout the past few seasons, basically since Anthony Davis has been on the team, there's been every time a a big free agent veteran guy like Jameer Nelson becomes available, it's automatically, you know, we're all clamoring for the Pelicans to sign him and they never really have. So I was just kind of impressed that they actually went out and got the guy and, um, and I'm impressed that, you know, it's such a good fit that they were able to get lucky like that. Yeah, and he averaged 9-5 and five last year, I think in about 27 minutes per game. He was the de facto point guard in Denver, although a lot of the a lot of the game went through Nikola Jokic. That's uh, famously what Chris Finch was so renowned for, leading them to the number one offense overall in the NBA after getting uh, Jokic uh, into the starting lineup in front of Nurkic. Let's get over to Justin. Justin, were you surprised? Uh, there's this whole uh, talk on twitter today how the pelicans could have waited three days and filed for the hardship exception but then there was the fear that maybe janeer nelson would be picked up by somebody like houston were you surprised at how quickly all of this happened when the pelicans really could have held on to crawford had they waited another day or two i'm not surprised only because of the amount of pressure that's on this team and the front office to succeed and they needed another guy really bad and that was evident uh, through the first. It looks like we lost Justin. That they were able that they were able to sign him because the Rockets and the Thunder were both very heavily interested in him, and that they're actually able to steal him from them uh, should be seen as a big success. Now, Justin, just check your connection for a second. Uh, we lost you for a couple of moments there, uh, but we still got the bulk of what you were saying. Um, and it was one of those urgency things where the Pelicans just needed to pounce on Jameer Nelson. And uh, I'm going to do a follow-up question for Brennan uh, for this, actually. You know, much of much was made over the offseason about how we didn't want to put too much on Drew Holiday's plate. Anthony Davis said it. Alvin Gentry said it. Del Demp said it. They just wanted him to be able to relax attack kind of fade back not worry about getting the big man the ball exactly where they liked in the post which is something he struggled to do last season and now you know we brought in Rajon Rondo to be the floor general and now that he's out they're still not comfortable putting Drew Holiday at the point they're bringing in Jameer Nelson do you think we're catering a little bit too much to Drew Holiday right now Brendan so I thought I spent a lot of time thinking about this after I saw the Nelson news I think where I'm at with it is just that whether or not Holiday is capable of being a you know a dynamic lead ball handler um, in the mold of uh, like a James Harden Russell Westbrook type of player. I don't think that we're at the point where he's even ever going to have that opportunity with this roster because the you know the Zach Lowe Pelicans feature that came out last year had several quotes about Holiday and how the staff was just sort of uneasy worried about how he really would hold up as that kind of player and they weren't they didn't necessarily trust his decision making and you know the pass shoot decisions that come like second 
by second by second as that as that sort of point guard. So I understand all of that, but then when they added Cousins, sort of all that went out the window. I think that at this point, there's not enough spacing for him to be that type of player anyway. And so the way that they're going to have to have him play now, I think that, that, that it makes a ton of sense to do what they've been doing with another, uh, at least another ball handler, not necessarily um, somebody so pass first as Rondo, but just having somebody in that role makes a ton of sense to me. Justin, this is definitely going to take a lot of pressure off Drew Holiday, not having the ball handle, just being able to pick his spots. But just something that Brendan was saying about not being as much space uh, is totally on point because last year, uh, Drew Holiday was averaging 40% from three. All of his numbers were up. He was uh, uh, scoring 16 points a game, I think something around 47, 48% from the field. As soon as they got boogie, all of those numbers substantially dropped. And through two games this season, he had four points against the Grizzlies, 11 uh, against the Warriors, albeit on 28% shooting is is this a substantial funk justin what is the solution to this true holiday problem we're having right now i don't know if there is a solution just because he is not prone to quick decisions he's not a a decisive passer uh like like you said that's why they went out and got jameer nelson um why they got rondo as well because as good as he is he does not make the quick pass. And with the way that the offense runs now, mostly through post-ups, sometimes through double high pick and rolls, uh, if the first action doesn't work, the whole offense seems to break down. And it's a main reason is because Drew Holiday doesn't make the whip around pass that then causes the flurry of passes to get somebody open. Uh, there doesn't seem to be a true leader of the offense right now, despite Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins being just, uniquely monstrous over the first two games um in the second half a lot you would see the ball just absolutely stop as soon as the post-up doesn't get through or uh if they can't hit the roll man in the pick and roll so they the fix is hopefully jameer nelson and rondo when they come back that's the fix i think Uh, I think it's actually kind of nice to be talking about Drew Holiday as the most polarizing figure in New Orleans right now because the the chemistry between DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis has been so uh, spot on. We don't even really need to talk about it, though we will. Uh, But before we get to that, we're recording this on a Sunday night, as I said, moments before the Pelicans and Lakers matchup in the Staples Center, one in which Jameer Nelson will be suiting up. Let's just uh, get this out of the way ahead of time since this is going to be coming out on Monday morning. Brendan? Give us a quick recap on what you believe will happen tonight. Well, I'm interested to see what happens with Nelson and Holiday, like we said. I mean, that's going to be what everybody's watching, and I think that they have the benefit of of watching that because they're playing a team that you could reasonably expect to beat. I think the consensus after the, the Warriors game on Friday night was a whole lot of optimism because as several people were saying, you know, if you play that well against just about every other team in the league, you're going to win the game. Um, to to come out and score as many points as they did against a good defense and to stay in the game for that long, I mean, throughout the entire game, basically, um, they should they should beat the Lakers. So it's going to be a nice easing in of Nelson and uh, sort of a, a chance for the Pelicans to figure out what they want to do on offense for the next, you know, 10 to 12 games until Rondo comes back. Now, Justin, uh, the Lakers did win, uh, I think it was on Saturday or Friday, against the Phoenix Suns, albeit, who just lost their head coach, Earl Watson, and we'll talk about that a bit later as well. But how confident are you uh, going into tonight? How comfortably do you expect the Pelicans to win? 
I I believe that they'll blow the doors off the Lakers. I mean, Brooke Lopez is having a rough rebounding year already. Davis and Demarcus Cousins have just been obliterating every other power forward center combo in the league. Uh, and the main starting lineup for the Pelicans has a positive net rating of 12.9 right now with a defensive rating of 88.3, which would be first in the league last year by a mile. Uh, and the Lakers just won't have enough offense to keep up too many mistakes. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm confident enough to guarantee a win tonight. Okay, so now the Pelicans head into the week having finished one and two uh, with a frustrating opening night loss to the Grizzlies that we haven't talked about. I believe that was 103 to 92, followed by a disappointing end to a promising opener against the Warriors. I think it was Brendan who just said that, uh, you know, if we play that game against pretty much anybody else in the league, we walk away with a W. Um, and that was our home opener in the Smoothie King Center. Um, and then they, on the second night of a back-to-back, went on to lose to the Grizzlies uh, with Steph Curry and Kevin Durant getting uh, both being ejected uh, with one minute left. With the game well in hand, Justin, it was a back-to-back, but how comfortable should we feel with both of our losses now seeing Memphis uh, play pretty well against Golden State? Yeah, it definitely makes the first loss of the season a little bit better with their uh, beatdown of the Warriors. Uh, when that first happened, it really stung because you knew that the Warriors were next on the schedule. You knew it was going to be another slow start, most likely. Um, but seeing them hang around with the Warriors and really just be be ahead most of the game, uh, it's definitely encouraging to see that the Pelicans were able to produce so much, at least in the, that first quarter. Our first quarters have been unreal. The Pelicans' first quarters have been crazy the first two, day, the first two games. Um, so it was definitely encouraging to see. Uh, the team that we lost to beat up on the other team that we lost to. <laughs> Keep talking a little bit more, Justin, before we get over to Brendan. Um, this this has been a theme, uh, I think, for the Pelicans ever since they've gotten DeMarcus Cousins in the lineup, is that we always come out hot in the first quarter. And obviously, you know, our depth isn't as expansive as we would like, and that could be a large contributor as to why the Pelicans uh, historically don't do so well in the second period. But why do you think the Pelicans do come out like gangbusters and then just slow down so significantly throughout the rest of the game? For whatever reason, Cousins in the first quarter is a maniac. And whether it's because he's the most fresh in the first quarter or because he's basically been given the entire first quarter uh, to play his brand of basketball, they usually sit AD at about the six minute mark or so. Uh, I believe he's a plus 18 despite the two losses, the first two games. And that's largely because what he does in the first quarter. And so I would attribute a lot of what the Pelicans were able to do to Cousins and just his fast starts. He had uh, five blocks right after the first quarter in game one. Uh, So he's been an animal in the first quarter. We just need that to go all the way through 48 minutes. But I would give him most of the credit, honestly, for those uh, first quarter starts. Brendan, he definitely does come out and play really well in the first quarter. But against the Warriors, we saw even Jordan Crawford, Drew Holiday, Ian Clark, everybody was lighting it up in the first quarter. Go go into detail why you think the Pelicans are so good in the first quarter and then tail off so quickly and uh, so finally for the rest of the game. Well, I'll take the maybe the back half of that, which is uh, why they tend to tail off. So I, I haven't been particularly impressed with the way that um, the coaches have decided to run things on the second unit. I just gen- generally haven't loved how much Ian Clark has had the ball 
in his hands. I think the Warriors tried plenty of that over the couple years that they had him. And it, it's not that he's incapable. I think he only has one turnover um, through two games. So it's not like he's making terrible decisions. It's just, it's not the best use of him as a player. You know, he has such a high value as a shooter. So then to put the ball in his hands and he's not taking pull up three. So it's almost just asking him not to shoot by putting the ball in his hands. Um, and then besides that, you know, there's limitations that come with playing Tony Allen, even though he's only been in about 10 minutes a game. Um, I just think that they don't have a ton of talent or maybe they don't have a way to make it make a ton of sense because they didn't have that point guard. Um, I think that that's a lot of it. And Brendan, do you feel any better having watched the Grizzlies uh, defeat the Warriors last night? Or do you think, hey, man, every every night's different. That was the second night of a back-to-back. The Pelicans play poorly against the Grizzlies, no matter how good the Grizzlies are. I think it felt good. I think it's one of those things where the Grizzlies play well against us. They also play well against the Warriors pretty consistently. I mean, they were up more, yeah, they were up on them that first year they won the title, and They've beat them, I think, at least once a year um, throughout this entire three-year stretch that, they've, that the Warriors have put together. So I don't know how much I read into it. I think that, if anything, it's Marcus Gasol is not slowing down. And if he can handle Anthony Davis, Draymond Green, and DeMarcus Cousins in the first couple uh, first week of basketball, then uh, we should maybe stop underestimating the Grizzlies more than anything. Yeah, David Fisher, uh, one of our two editors for thebirdrights.com, posted something that said that the Warriors actually defeated us on opening day at home last year, 122-14, to 14, which was also an eight-point difference, uh, pretty much a mirror image of what happened this past Friday. Uh, again, yeah, this David is the Bird- crazy in that game, though, so that was a completely yeah. different situation. But Absolutely. Again, this is the Bird Rice. We're talking to Brendan Clean and Justin Jett on Nothing But Net Radio on the Dash. Brendan, let's stay with you. Uh, the main positive so far is obviously the play of DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis. These guys put up, I think it was 70 and 30 combined uh, against the Warriors on Friday. And they played pretty well together last year. Are you surprised at how seamless their fit has been, uh, given all, all the things we heard from national media and from Sacramento King fans about how difficult it was going to be assimilating DeMarcus Cousins to the Pelicans. I think on Cousins' side, he probably just loves having a teammate as talented as Davis. Um, I mean, we if anything, if there is a comparison to draw, even though it is so incredibly unique to see these two types of players together, the the super team, the you know, the superstar matching up era has been going on for a while and if nothing else we've seen just the effect that it can have on you know the freedom and temperament that these guys have um and so in that way I'm almost not surprised at all but it just seems like the kind of thing that would take a lot of time because it is so you know and I hate to harp on the spacing too much but that's just a fact of it that was going to be a problem from the day that they acquired him before we even ever saw the two guys on the court together we knew that spacing was going to be a problem. So to see them overcome that, at least in, as far as their individual play, has been it, it's been pretty awesome. And I guess it's just been like an even better indicator of just how talented each of them is, you know. Justin, talk about this. Nobody thought that uh, two bigs could exist in a league that's that's promoting small ball as much as it is. And we've got two seven feet guys playing next to each other and just dominating so far. Are you surprised at how easy this has been for these two guys? 
I am not as surprised as most, uh, like you said, the national media were discussing it. I mean, before the season even started, you hear, you heard constantly how they're going to have to trade one of these guys. They don't make sense together. This season, together on the court, they have a net rating of 8.5, offensive rating of 111. Uh, And I think it works because of their versatility. Uh, The league is moving towards small ball, but more than anything, it's moving towards versatility. And both these guys are extremely versatile. Uh, The Cousins, Anthony Davis, pick and rolls have been working fabulously. Cousins has just been crazy from three. He can pass it into Anthony Davis. Um, The spacing, then like um, Brendan was saying, then it doesn't hurt as much because of Cousins' ability to shoot it from three. And one thing that I think needs to be cleaned up a little bit is there needs to be a couple more passes into the interior. Um, but other than that, these two have worked great together. Their defense, I mean, teams constantly have two bigs flying at them in every pick-and-roll situation. Uh, it's just hard to combat. And if anything, I think this lineup actually makes sense uh, using a strength against what is a weakness for most other teams. Yeah, like Justin was saying, Brennan, all the attention that these two guys are garnering is not helping the Pelicans supporting players. Uh, I believe it was Memphis where they shot 7 to 25 from the field after starting hot early. Uh, the depth at the wing has been a question mark all this offseason, all last offseason. Now with the loss of Solomon Hill, Darius Miller hasn't put anything together. Uh, Dante Cunningham, I believe, scored seven points in the first game. I can't remember what he did in the second game, but it wasn't anything too significant. Uh, to go along with guards like Ian uh, Clark and Tony Allen, these guys who have been up and down and now we've lost Jordan Crawford. What's it going to take to get these guys start to start producing at an adequate level that helps alleviate some of the pressure from DeMarcus and AD to the point where they don't have to put up 70 and 30 every night. Well, one statistic that stands out, um, I have a little write-up going up about Jameer Nelson for uh, at Bourbon Street shots tomorrow. And what I found, uh, you know, excluding Crawford at this point because he's no longer with the team, um, Pelicans that aren't Anthony Davis or Ian Clark are shooting 29% on threes. And obviously that's really not a humongous number of attempts, but it just kind of shows that, you know, it's not just a mirage. These guys really aren't making shots. Darius Miller is in the 20s um, as far as uh, field goal percentage goes. And I don't know what it's going to take. I do think Dante Cunningham, I'm not worried about him necessarily as much as the other guys, because after two years of positive three-point shooting, especially from the corners and, you know, when he was playing with Solomon Hill and um, in a lot more versatile lineups last year, he was doing a lot of positive things, even on offense, cutting and, and putting shots back that, you know, off of offensive rebounds. He's just doing the dirty work and he's shown that he knows what he can do to be a valuable player. But the other guys, I do think you worry more about, I I mean, Ian Clark's in an environment that isn't feeding him wide open shots, possession after possession, and he's being overextended maybe a little bit playing more and having more responsibility than he did in Golden State. So, you know, he's somebody that you're going to have to keep an eye on because if, if he doesn't get right, and he's made his three so far, so you know that's that's working. But everything else, if that doesn't come along, you maybe start to worry about him. And and um, I don't know. Other than that, I kind of just have hope that maybe once the team gets healthy, if the team gets healthy, the roles will kind of fall back into place. I'm not too worried yet because I don't see any massive warning signs outside of, I guess you could say Miller. One player, I one player I was really excited about. Uh, 
heading into this season was Tony Allen. And I know he hasn't gotten many minutes, but I have not loved his minutes either. So that's another wing that uh, I'm a little worried about for this team. I think it's kind of telling that uh, the Memphis Grizzlies are already promoting retiring his jersey. Uh, they seem to think that he's done. Uh, that's that's a harmless joke. I, I do expect a lot from Tony Allen this year just in regards to defense. Uh, Justin, I want you to expand on something that a lot of the guys in the Bird Rights chat have been talking about. And that's the reason these guys aren't producing is because they don't have the point guard. They don't have the facilitator, the floor general, whatever you want to call it. The, the guy that they were working with all this offseason, Rajon Rondo, who's you know supposed to be efficient at putting people in the spots that makes everybody feel comfortable now we have Jameer Nelson um however the Pelicans brought in Chris Finch and the initial thought this summer was that a lot of the offense was going to run through DeMarcus Cousins and he's shown himself to be an exceptional passer why do you think the Pelicans haven't gone to that system a little bit more uh DeMarcus Cousins just having the ball every single time down the floor and sort of running the offense is that something you would like to see them explore or just excited to see Jameer Nelson take over I would definitely like to see him have the ball in his hands more. Um, like I said uh, before, the off-ball cuts, I was very excited for this team. There's a lot of smart off-ball cutters currently on the roster. They haven't really shown up in the season. They're, I can't recall many times when we saw a feed from Cousins in an off-ball cut when he was in the post. That doesn't seem to be part of the offense right now. Uh, and if a player does cut, it usually turns into a turnover. Uh, so I'd like to see that more. I'd also like to see Cousins with the ball at the high post. That would be nice. Maybe a little brush screen with Anthony Davis rolling to the basket. Or even, I- I've advocated for a lot, the double high screen with Drew Holiday if we, or Jameer Nelson now would be great, where Davis crashes into the, the hoop and Cousins pulls out for the three. That play with these two players and almost any, any guard who can uh, adequately pass the basketball should work like gangbusters, uh, but we haven't seen it very very often. It's a lot of post-ups with minimal movement. Uh, so I think the key really is give Cousins a couple more touches and start moving more off the ball than they have already. And that's something I agree that... With I... the movement... Go ahead, Brennan, get in there. I agree with the movement thing. I mean, that's clear watching the team, and it has been since last season. I just... I I think that it's tough for the team to move away completely. And I know you're not advocating for, for zero post-ups, but an Anthony Davis post-up is obscenely efficient. I mean, he's, he might be as far as big men go, the best isolation scorer in the league. So I just think that they've seen for years now that that's the best way for the team to get a bucket. And DeMarcus Cousins brings an entire and, and, completely unique skill set in his own right but I just it would be really difficult for me to see some of those start to go away I would just worry that the offense might not be quite as efficient um at least right away yeah that should still that I'm sorry that should still be a part of the offense um especially with the small guys that are being thrown Anthony Davis uh so you're definitely right that should that should remain as part of the playbook for sure yeah, this is the Bird Rice, and we're talking to Brennan Clean and Justin Jett uh, on Nothing But Net Radio on the Dash. Keep going with that, Justin. Uh, it's something that Kevin Berrios, one of our more frequent guests on the show, always talks about, and that's this kind of uh, stand around and watch basketball. Uh, they used to call Dante Cunningham and Solomon Hill the corner boys last year because that's what they would do. They would sit in the corner, and they would w- wait for a spot and shoot threes. Um, is, is it a matter of not having Rajon Rondo out there telling guys to run, 
Or do you think that Alvin Gentry is lacking over here in, in that there is so much stagnant offense happening out there? I, I've got no problem with Anthony Davis, you know, posting up DeMarcus Cousins taking the ball. It's the guys around them that sort of just seem to be sitting and watching. What do you think it will take to get more movement from these supporting players? Uh, maybe it will take Rondo getting back. Uh, I do think it largely sits on Gentry when the initial action breaks apart and then there's nothing. Uh, I also have noticed we have the Pelicans have turned the ball over already more than you'd like to see out of a timeout or have looked completely out of sorts out of a timeout, which absolutely should not happen when you have the basketball. Uh, so I think a lot of that sits on him. Um, like you said, Rondo this offseason was uh, was working with the team, was was being the floor general, uh, was being the guy who who is telling everyone else where to go and where to be, and he's not not out there anymore. Um, and although in the preseason I wasn't quite impressed with him, he had a bunch of defensive miscues, miscommunications. Uh, offensively, he's still the guy that gets people in the right spots, and the players still have a ton of appreciation for him. Uh, it seems like every player that he's ever crossed paths with thinks he's a basketball genius and will go on to be a great head coach one day, uh, including DeMarcus Cousins. But maybe it will take his return. But I also think this sits on Gentry and the question of is he the head coach for this unit has to be brought up. Yeah, Brendan, uh, I know you're on a time crunch. I've got two questions for you, and then I'll let you go. Uh, the first one is to talk about Portland. What do you see happening? Uh, Portland has played three games so far. They're two and one. Uh, they destroyed the Phoenix Suns, and I think uh, played a large part in getting getting Earl Watson fired. And then they beat the Pacers 114 to 96, and then they lost in a crusher to Giannis Antetokounmpo. I hope I pronounced that right. He scored 44 points and destroyed them at the end emotionally and physically, 113 to 10. Talk about this game specifically, and then I've got a follow-up question for you. Yeah, it's going to be super interesting because I feel like the Pelicans are almost the exact opposite of the Blazers offensively because the Blazers have these two phenomenal shooting guards who play off of each other amazingly, and they have this motion system that springs them open pretty much every possession. And then the Pelicans obviously have these two bigs who they're trying to find the same solutions for. Um, so it's going to be really interesting. I do think it's going to be, like I said, this game might be a way to ease Nelson into his role. I think that game might be a little bit of a shell shock for the new backcourt rotation. Um, I, as far as winning or losing, I think it's going to depend on uh, Yusuf Nurkic being able to handle um, Cousins and, and the smaller fours that Portland likes to use, being able to get um, in Anthony Davis's way. Um, they have like a unique way of that they could potentially be effective defending Davis and Cousins, but um, Portland's just, I don't know, they, they, they confuse me for the most part. So it's going to be definitely an interesting game. I'm going to ask you one more question, Brendan, and then I'll throw these same questions to Justin just in case Brendan needs to take off. Uh, so now we've got Jameer Nelson, and for the next four to six weeks, he's going to be uh, our floor general either with the first or second unit. And then there's going to be a complication in that Rajon Rondo is going to come back. What do you see as Jameer Nelson's future once Rondo is back in the lineup as the starting point guard? Well, I definitely expect him to play. Um, I don't. I think that that was something that was reported pretty extensively as far as what factored into Nelson's decision to come to the Pelicans is 
playing time throughout the remainder of the season. The, the Rockets were interested in you might, you know, your first instinct would be to think that if somebody's just hoping to win games and be really successful, that that's an awesome opportunity. But once Chris Paul comes back from his knee injury in about a month or a month and a half, he's going to be coming right back in to play 35 minutes a game. So that's not a good opportunity if you're looking to play um, on into the playoffs. And so I think Nelson's clearly going to have a role on the team. I think that's probably going to be in the second unit just because of all the chemistry stuff we've been talking about with Rondo um, and just the way he sort of seems like a better fit um, with the starters as far as operating within that clunkier spacing. Um, the one thing I do worry about with Nelson, though, and a statistic that has sprung out to me is, as we recap these last two games is the Pelicans have been outscored, I think it's 26 to 1 in fast break points um, through two games. And Nelson's not exactly the guy who's going to initiate that kind of offense. And I do think that that's an area they need to get better in. And so throwing Nelson in there as opposed to Jordan Crawford or Ian Clark, um, it's not doesn't seem like an ideal situation to fix that problem but I think you know maybe you just count on the defense limiting the opponent and and, and playing your pace regardless um, so I, I it'll be maybe not as comfy a, a fit as it's going to be while Rondo's out but I just think the upgrade in talent is going to be helpful regardless I mean you can't argue with um, with Nelson's production 13 years and last year he was still just as efficient and productive as ever really uh, you guys, you can follow Brendan Clean at Brendan Clean 14. Justin, hang with me for just one more second. Uh, Brendan, thank you to Bourbon Street Shots for letting you on here. And uh, what have you got churning right now for our readers, Brendan? Oh, we just lost Brendan. Okay, on to Justin. Uh, Justin, you with me, bud? Yes. All right, thanks so much. Uh, let's do your predictions. <laughs> Talk about the Pelicans facing uh, the Trailblazers Tuesday night. 10 Eastern. It's going to be a late one. It's in Portland. What do you see is happening that night? So I, that's a very crucial game to me. Uh, one, because the Blazers have impressed me for about a month now. Uh, their team has looked very good through preseason into the regular mm. season. Uh, and secondly, because this is going to be the team that the uh, the Pelicans will need to beat when it comes to seeding in the playoffs. It's one of the teams that they're looking for a similar spot. Um, and so a win will really help them not only now, but in the future as well. All right. And let's expand on what we just asked, uh, Brendan, uh, Jameer Nelson, you know, we've, we've got him locked up. He's probably going to be in the starting lineup at some point in the next week or two. Uh, no idea how many minutes he's going to play today. But in the next four to six weeks, once Rajon Rondo is back and healthy and running with the first unit, how many minutes a game do you expect out of Jameer Nelson? To me, it depends on if they decide to re-sign Jordan Crawford um, because they, it does appear that they have interest in doing so. Um, but I would expect him to probably play around 10 to 15 minutes or so in that range. Uh, I think they like Ian Clark, what he's doing. Etoile Moore has played very well, so his minutes will stay high. Um, Darius Miller will need to play because he's been taking over the power forward position, really. Um, so he'll have probably around the eighth most minutes on the team, eighth to ninth most minutes on the team, I'd guess. Okay, and before I let you go, if I've got some more time from you, I just want to talk a little bit about injuries. 
the Pelicans have suffered again coming out of the gates, uh, just some substantial losses at the beginning of the season, something that's, you know, caused us to to start with these 0-8 and 0-6 opening records. And this year, uh, there's no shortage of absences with Frank Jackson uh, re-breaking the same foot, Solomon Hill, Rajon Rondo, Armar Ashik, and Alexis Agensa. At least Ashik and Solomon Hill, there's a good likelihood that we're not going to see them for the remainder of the season, or at least for, you know, the first 30 to, to 50 games. Rajon Rondo, we all know we should have back shortly. Alexis Agensa, um, I'm not sure what's happening. All I know is it's a right knee issue. And Frank Jackson uh, is expected to be a two-month recovery, but how much do you expect to see of these guys this season, if at all? I think I expect to see a Jinka the most. Um, but with most of these guys, this is just in their history. Uh, Ajinka's had some injuries. Frank Jackson obviously fell in the draft because of injuries. Ashik has been on a rapid, slow <laughs> decline over the last four year, four to five years. Um, and so I would say a Jinka I would expect to see the most only because he makes most sense to need minutes on this team. Um, and I could see him back out there in a, in a month and a half for sure. It's education time, Justin. I need your help. Am I pronouncing Agenza wrong? Is it Ajinka? I actually, I've met, you know what? I don't think, I think you can pronounce it however you want. It's one of those. We'll go with that. Yeah. Well, it's like Frank, it's like Frank Milakina. Even he pronounces a couple different ways. <laughs> I think I've got four different pronunciations that I give it every single episode. <laughs> and same with Omar Ashik. I call him a sheik. I don't know what to call him. Uh, thank you, Justin Jett. First time guest of Pelican Debrief. Did you have fun? Yes, absolutely. Good. We're going to have you we'll back. Have this is back. at Justin Jett underscore. Justin, uh, take a minute, plug yourself a bit. Tell us what fans can expect from Pelican Debrief and from you this season. Yeah, so uh, we're doing game recaps after every game. You can look for that. I will be doing a weekly recap every week on what happens to the Pelicans with the game, the players, who looked good, who didn't. Uh, and then I also believe we'll get a player of the week every single week. Um, so cross your fingers on that. Um, and, yeah, I come out with a column on Def 10 Hoops every two weeks. And so I just I got stuff rolling all the time. All right, Justin, thanks so much for your time. Uh, make sure you go ho- go over and uh, watch that Lakers game. I think the tip-off's in about 20 minutes. And uh, hopefully we'll talk you- to you in the next week or so. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Bird Rights on Nothing But Net Network here on Dash Radio. Now, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes by searching the Bird Rights NBA podcast. Follow us on Twitter at The Bird Rights for all the latest and best coverage on your pals. And if you really like the show and you want to show us even more love, give us a rating and review on iTunes. Your help has gotten us to more than 35,000 downloads at this point. A feature on Blog Talk Radio on the main page and a spot here on Dash Radio's new basketball concentrated network. And as always, if you have any questions, direct them to at Preston Ellis and we'll answer them by the next show. Let's go pals! Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. 
I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> all right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Have you ever wondered how to say good morning in Italian? Or what is goodbye in French? You can ask Alexa. Just say, what is happy birthday in German? Or how do you say hello in Japanese? Do you want to know how to say I love you in Spanish? Ask Alexa and start learning a new language today.